Hey everyone, a few weeks ago we had a powerful combined church camp over the weekend called the X-Church UK Getaway, and here's one of the recorded sessions. We hope that you'll be blessed by it. Tonight before I start, I just want to give uh, the next five minutes to Pastor John. I wanted him to just come up, uh, you know, say a few words, uh, whatever the Lord has put on his heart uh, to say, and uh, I, I hope that you get to know him a little bit more. And when you visit Singapore, please know that you have family in Singapore as well. Uh, and uh, so John will uh, pave that way for you right now. Okay, John, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Kenna. Um, okay, I don't need to be so high. Um, yeah, so good to see each and every one of you, church. Uh, we are a global church, and I've come from Singapore. Uh, so some of you, I got to know you. Uh, some not yet. I hope we still have time to do so, and tomorrow to get to know you. Uh, I'm John, uh, and yeah, I'm leading X Singapore. And, uh, so, when Pastor asked me to, you know, share about, actually, he didn't say share about anything. So, I'm like, he said, you know, share what's on your heart. Um, firstly, you know, I, I think what I want to share with you was that we are a global family. Uh, and, you know, what you're experiencing here, we are also, God is moving across the world. And, uh, you know, through, through different nations, started from KL and he moved across the world. Um, if there's time, I would love to share with you our story in Singapore because it was not uh, the usual. Actually, when I say usual, it's also unusual because <laughs> churches don't send one person, two people, three people to start a church, uh, but we do that. And for X Singapore, it was a different story, but uh, that's, uh, that's not a five-minute story. Okay, so, so um, but yeah, we, we, we are, uh, we, one big thing that happened to us this year was that we moved. Uh, it's been 13 years now. X Singapore has been around for 13 years. And uh, this year, we had really a, a big challenge to move. Uh, it's never easy to move when you're comfortable. Uh, we love our old place in Tywit Road. It's a low ceiling, you know, but it's, it's such a nice place to be, uh, two levels. Uh, but God was calling us out. And that was a big challenge because finances is always scary. Uh, you know, and but it was a a, a very big uh, thing for our church to move in faith. Uh, but and, and again, I only have five minutes, so I can't tell you the whole story. But that was very big for us. Now we're in uh, Taising, uh, Lebon, Lebon Road. So if if ever you know this is like visit Singapore, come come join us. Uh, we we will welcome you. Come visit us. You know. Um, but yeah, so, so you know, when Pastor said that to share what's on my heart, uh, I wanted to share with you what's, uh, you know, about ex-Singapore, but I also wanted to share with you what God has been saying to me. And don't worry, I'm not going to bring it into a sermon or anything, uh, but it's actually just this very simple line that, um, you know, God spoke to me a long time ago when I was a teenager. And it's basically this sentence, do not despise your youth. And again, you know, as I was coming for the getaway, I was here for listening and seeing you guys also. I'm reminded of that word. And usually when you, you, you remember this sentence, this, uh, you know, phrase, when you turn to the Bible, it's usually 1 Timothy 4.12, you know, let no one despise your youth, but be an example, you know. Um, 
the verse that uh, uh, I held on to as a teen was actually in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. So, you know, when I was a teen, I did not really understand because I was still a teen. And, uh, and what it meant to me was, well, that says, do not despise my youth and I will serve in whatever way I can. So that was what I did. And, and you know, um, I set my heart to, to serve God as a teenager in whatever capacity I could. And, you know, the things we are hearing uh, these few days, you are the church. You know, your calling is also to the church. And do not despise your youth because you may be young, you do not know much, you do not have skills, you do not simply know because you're, you're still growing, right? But do not despise that. And God says He can use that. And, and so, you know, that was when I, I sat in my heart to serve as a teenager. Uh, but that was not what God was saying to me, you know, as, as I was trying to prepare for, for this short sharing. Um, he was actually bringing me back to this verse and saying now, you know, you're not a teen anymore. But still, do not despise your youth. I don't know how many of you consider yourself a, a youth. Okay? Some of us, including myself, I would like to, to consider myself... <laughs> Myself as a grown-up, you know, you, you want to graduate, right? But, and I found it strange, why, Lord, are you bringing me back to my youth? Because shouldn't I be learning things as an adult? But, you know, when I went back to read that verse again, it says, remember your, now you're creator in the days of your youth. Before the difficult days come. And I don't know how many of you have difficult days or days where you go like, you know what, back then, when I was a teen, I was so much happier. Or back then, you know, uh, I'm glad that my, my days as a teen were over because I had no joy in them. But actually, God was reminding me that as I continue to serve Him now, and maybe some of you here in this room, as you're hearing, you are the church, you are the one that can go, that God has called you, but you feel that, you know what, um, I'm still not prepared, I'm still not ready, and, you know, I, I need another year, or when I'm going to finish this, finish that, then I'm going to serve God. But God is saying, remember how you were as a youth? Remember how you go and say yes to everything, even though you cannot fulfill it? How many of you will remember your youth where you would be enthusiastic about about something. And can that something be about God? And, and you know, as a youth, I also remember that uh, even though you have little skills, right, you, you will still offer it, you will still go, and you will go humbly because you, got, you have nothing to be proud of, right? You actually, you want to learn, right? Learn more. And as an adult, as a, a young adult, sometimes we go, now I've learned, now I'm somewhere now I have something to be proud of but when we go to God with that attitude he says remember your youth don't despise those kind of beginnings don't despise that kind of attitude don't despise humility don't despise 
that when you when you you know when you're your your teen when you're younger when you're youth how many of you would go lord give me 10 days i'm going to pray about it when you want something you want it now when somebody calls you to do something or asks you to do something you you decide yes or no now and just like what pastor was speaking of the servant when the parents say 10 days give me 10 days but the holy spirit says now He's calling you now. There's a timing to everything. Even His calling. And don't miss His calling. That timing will end. Will you respond to Him now? And that's not despising your youth. Because I was once like that. And now I go, Lord, give me time. I'm going to pray about it. But when He says, how about now? When Jesus called the, the 12 disciples, He said, come. You know what I imagine? God was actually walking away. Come. If you're not coming, I'm going. And that's His timing. And so church, do not despise your youth. You may not be a youth today, but how were you when you were a youth? You were filled with humility. You were filled with that, that anxiousness or that, uh, that, that excitement, to, ready to go. And you know, here's the, the last thing. It's always your choice. At the end of the day, it's going to be your choice. As a teen, I had a choice whether or not to serve God or whether to go and play. And right now, as an adult, you may have responsibilities, but still, you have a choice. God will make a way for you. Do not despise your youth because in that humble beginnings, that is the blueprint for how God wants to use you, even when you have grown up. So that, that's just a very short sharing on what God has placed on my heart, you know, and I hope that blesses somebody today. I don't know whether that was something someone here needed to hear. Sorry, Pastor, I went <laughs> the other way around, <laughs> not, talking, not just talking about ex-Singapore, but yeah, uh, let's be, be, you know, ready to answer God's call, amen. All right. Yeah. Wasn't that good? Yeah. So you see, you don't have to say anything about Ex-Singapore. Uh, when the people see that you uh, speak God's word, uh, they'll get hungry to want to go and visit Ex-Singapore. Uh, I, I love the, the times where we get the chance to get our leaders up uh, to share, even if it's five minutes, because uh, we get to see the kind of quality uh, that God has given to X Church. Uh, and I know that there's quality here as well uh, in uh, X London. Uh, I haven't had the chance to hear the different ones preach, but I know there's quality here, even with uh, our other leaders, the SPO. Uh, I know there's quality in Edinburgh. Uh, not just one or two people can preach, but quite a few. Uh, I know there's quality uh, in uh, Bristol. Uh, Tiong, you know, when I first met him, uh, he, he was nervous just playing the guitar. Uh, I wonder how many of you were there when Tiong led in worship, he will pause after every song and then restart again for the next song. Uh, but how far we have come, Tiong. Uh, now you're a preacher of God's Word as well. Uh, and uh, we really do have quality in this church and it points to God. God gave us what we have. Without Him, we are nothing.
so praise the Lord. Um, okay, tonight I hope to be sharing one or two uh, things with you. I hope I get to it because I also want to share with you stories uh, and keep you awake. Um, uh, some of you have heard some of these stories, some of you have not because you're new to me, I'm new to you. Uh, but one of the things I, I need to uh, share with you is what the Lord has been telling me about the last couple of days, and that is uh, uh, just a difference between faith and trust. Faith and trust, there's a difference, okay? Uh, it, it, it's, it's related, it's probably two sides of the same coin, uh, 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 you know, one needs the other, but uh, I just want to share with you from the Word of God, uh, and it won't be long uh, because I just really sense that the, there is a need now in this season to go deeper in our trust uh, with God. Uh, trust seems to be the buzzword in the spirit, not just in your language or not just in your conversations, but in the spirit. Uh, trust. And uh, that means that God wants you to learn to trust Him more because it also means He has more for you. He has so much more for you. So it's, it's very exciting when God teaches you to trust me more, trust me more, it's because He's got so much more in store. Do you believe it? Uh, okay, so that's important. And uh, I also need to speak to you very quickly uh, towards the end about the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler uh, who started well but ended uh, not so well. Uh, so I don't want anyone in this room to not end well, okay? I want all of us to be good finishers. End well, okay? You may have started... Uh, rubbish, okay? But you will end in revival. You will end well. I prophesy over you in Jesus' name. You will end well. Doesn't matter really how we started. Of course, if you can start well, start well, why not, right? It's good to start well and end well. But many of us don't have good starts. Uh, or many of us had good start, then suddenly, you know, uh, went uh, down a, a path that you should have gone and... Uh, you know, it's not good. It's not good, but uh, God is not done with you. God is not done with you. Alright, He's got so much more in store. So people, um, let me just uh, give you a story of my life as quickly as I can. I was born in Singapore, as some of you heard. So I'm Singaporean by birth. I've got this birth certificate that's from Singapore and it tells where I was born. Uh, and Kandang Gerbau is where, uh, you know, we just joke about it because it's KK. It's, it's a hospital in uh, Singapore, which is now the top hospital uh, for women and children. But once upon a time, it was like a Kandang Kerbau. It was, it was really like a manger. Uh, so uh, Sandra says, well, you're like Jesus. Like, you know, you're born in a manger. This is uh, just a private joke between me and my wife. Um, uh, I would like to think like I'm like Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be, be like Jesus. Don't you? You want to be like Jesus too more and more. Uh, now, how did I end up there? Okay, my mom uh, is Singaporean. And uh, she... Uh, had enough of the way my dad was living. And my dad was living wildly. Uh, he had a lot of girlfriends. Even after he got married, uh, he was on drugs, marijuana, uh, for at least, I think, about 25 years of his life. And so most times, my dad was high. Okay, when he was high, he was happy. When he was not high, he can be quite violent. I remember one time, you know, he just told us as kids, I have a sister, uh, and so he would tell both of his, of his children, I want you to close all your doors. Uh, as soon as you are not in the room, close your door. 
come back and then you can open it and then you out again, you close your door. Okay, so one day I remember, this is just to give you a sense uh, and a feel of uh, how my dad could be without drugs. Uh, he came back home, my door was open ajar. Okay, just a, just, a, just a slit. Okay, it wasn't closed. Why? Because I just went across my room to the toilet and uh, didn't close my door. And he came back and he passed by my room. He says, you know, he opened the door, of course, to see whether I was in there and I was not. And he, he screamed. And he says, why is the door not shut? You know, and then I'm just coming out of the toilet. I said, hi, hey, Dad, hi. He says, why didn't you shut the door? I said, Dad, I just went to the toilet. He says, no excuse. So he took his belt out and I think it was about 18 lashings, okay? For, for a door not shut. Uh, and I just stood there uh, at about, I think I was uh, 13. I, I just stood there because he's done it so many times that my skin has become very thick. Uh, so I just... And it's all the anger, you know, of a day that probably didn't go well for him. And so I'm just you know, standing there and yeah, a tear just... I don't think I was crying because it was painful anymore. I was crying because I had a dad like that. You know, sometimes you're just so disappointed uh, by having family members like that. Uh, a dad that you, you're supposed to trust. But anyway, so... Then my dad goes, uh, goes uh, upstairs. Uh, he goes to his ganja, his marijuana. He smokes it. He, he, you know, he, he, he gets into a little bit of a like, you know, a sleepiness. And he, I think he, he's drowsy now. And so he spent half an hour upstairs. Uh, then he comes down. And I'm still, I don't know why I was, uh, I, I was frozen uh, that day a little bit longer than usual. Because uh, probably at 13, I was thinking, do I leave home? Do I, do I just walk out of that front door? You know, so he comes downstairs and he sees me, you know, still with tears in my eyes. And he says, why are you crying? You know, he, he sort of forgot that he just whipped me. So that, that is uh, from, uh, I don't know how young, you know, maybe I was, I can't remember how young I was because dad only came back into our, our lives when I was six. And at six already, he called me into his room to help him to light up that ganja because the ganja has a papaya uh, uh, branch, uh, yeah, something like that goes into a Coca Cola bottle. I am not teaching you how to ganja, all right? Don't ganja, okay? Uh, so, but I, I, at six years old, I will light up for him, you know? I don't know what you were doing at six, but I was lighting up my father's uh, ganja. But by the grace of God, I never touched it myself. Is that cool? God's hand can be upon a young person even though you never knew it. And God's hands upon you tonight, even though you say, I don't feel it. He loves you. He knows your name. He knows your future. And He knows that Kenneth Chin had a future in him and uh, he wouldn't be able to do it if he went into ganja. So He kept me. He protected me. You know, even though I, did, I didn't even smoke. One time I tried to smoke. You know what I did? No, I tried to smoke. No, I, I tried to hide from my dad. You know where I smoke? Under my bed. Can you imagine? So foolish, uh, so foolish. Because you know why? As I was smoking, I, 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 when, I, when I blew the smoke out, it came back right into my face. Because you're, you're under your bed, you know. Uh, and uh, anyway, so, 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 so that uh, I tried, but I coughed uh, so badly. And I said, no, I don't. And God gave me a love for sports. Uh, so I ran the 400 uh, uh, in my school and I was really good at it. I, I, I was the number one uh, 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 400 uh, uh, meter runner. I know when you see my body, you go, hey, Pastor, you're joking. <laughs> yeah, I tell people I'm all rounder, you know, all, all rounder, all rounder. 
Uh, anyway, so, uh, uh, but because of my love for sports, I just really didn't want anything to do with smoking, uh, alcohol. It's just, just, you know, either sports or, you know, that. So, I, you know, it's God. God also can give you interest to keep you out of trouble. He can, so, really, all glory to God. But anyway, so, uh, mom uh, gave birth to me in Singapore without even knowing that I was in her womb. Are, are, you, are you still with me? She said goodbye to my dad. She said to my grandmother in KL, says, sorry, mom, I have to leave. Your, your husband is driving me nuts. He's driving me crazy. Uh, uh, your, 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 your son, sorry, yeah, uh, your son. So, okay, uh, my mother t- talking to her mother-in-law. Uh, saying that your son is correct, your son is driving me crazy, uh, uh, and uh, and uh, he's sleeping around, uh, he's going on drugs. Uh, uh, she has a daughter, uh, my older sister, and her name is Lynette. And so she said, "I'm taking my daughter back with uh, with me to Singapore. I'm gonna I'm gonna look for my family." And you know, so uh, grandma couldn't stop her because uh, grandma also knew that my dad was just you know uh, terrible uh, as a husband. And so goodbye. And mom uh, went back to uh, Singapore, but I was in there. I was already in there. Uh, and uh, so my dad came back from Vietnam. He was serving the army, uh, serving the Malaysian army, and uh, they posted him uh, in Thailand, really, uh, to help with the war in Vietnam. And so he came back and he says, Where's my wife? You know, Where's my daughter? And so grandma said, you know, She's left. And so with anger, he went to Singapore. And uh, he said, give me, my, give me my daughter if you're not coming back to live with me. Uh, and my mom came to the airport to meet my dad. This is a story, of course, they told me I, I wasn't there. Um, uh, uh, or, or I was there, but I wasn't old enough to, to know this. Uh, so they told me the story that mom went to the airport to meet dad. My dad's name is Bernard. Uh, Bernard Chin. Uh, that's his real name. His show name is Mike Bernie. Show name because he was doing show business. Uh, and um, and uh, my, my mom brought her boyfriend, her new boyfriend, to meet my dad. I think she was a little bit scared. So she brought her new boyfriend to meet my dad and his name was Bernard. <laughs> I must tell you that sometimes we don't learn. You leave one abusive relationship for another abusive relationship. Uh, 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 and so, Bernard, Bernard, okay? And guess what Bernard does? Bernard in Singapore. Bernard was in the Air Force. What's this thing about uniforms, you know? It turns me on. So, um, so, so, okay. So, Bernard in Singapore uh, said to my mom that I don't want anything to do with the Bernard in Malaysia. And uh, I, don't want any, I don't want anything to do with your past. So my mom actually says, this is your daughter. You can take her back. Now, it's very difficult for a mom, I'm sure, to give up her daughter, but she wanted a new life. Her, uh, her new husband-to-be didn't want anything to do with uh, us. <clears throat> when I say us, it's because I was already born. And so dad takes uh, Lynette on one hand, and mom says, you can have your son also. And dad goes like, what, Who? Because didn't know, uh, you know, that I was there. I didn't know that I was born, and so thank God when I look in the mirror, I do look like, like my dad. And I, say, oh hallelujah, you know, praise God. I thought I was taken from the rubbish bin, but uh, so dad, you know, uh, without a job, coming back from the army, uh, uh, you know, he he takes me and Lynette back to KL and puts us with our grandma. So grandma brought us up. 
well, at least for the first uh, eight to ten years. My dad was struggling. Of course, I told you he's, he's, he's on drugs and he's trying to make a living. Now, my dad is a good salesman, except that he told me once before, try not to sell what you love. I said, what do you mean? He said, I tried to sell durian and I ate it all myself. I said, Dad, why did you do that? Because the first night, it didn't sell so well, so I just sat there, ate, I said, I eat just, I'll just eat one, I'll just eat two, and by the third day, I ate everything uh, that I was supposed to sell. And so anyway, Dad uh, finally sold uh, cars, and he did very well. He sold Mercedes-Benz, and he did very well because he couldn't afford to buy uh, Mercedes-Benz himself. So he sold it, and he did okay. Uh, and so this is uh, my background. Uh, I have a sister who, because I only had her, I didn't have a dad, I didn't have a mom, uh, and uh, so we grew up as best friends, really. Uh, at one time, my sister, I think she was 18, I was 16, and we would be walking down the street hand in hand. My sister would just take my hand and we walk, and you know, walk for miles, hand in, and people would think that we are girlfriend and boyfriend. <laughs> and so it was a very loving relationship, she was my best friend. Uh, and uh, so, uh, Grandma uh, was very, very strict. She's from Shanghai. Anyone has grandparents from uh, China? My uh, grandmother was from Shanghai. Uh, they said she swam from Shanghai to Malaysia. I don't believe them. Um, she killed a few sharks along the way. She is that fierce. She's that fierce. She's very, very beautiful. You see pictures of Grandma. She was a model from Shanghai. So that's where I get my good looks from. And uh, no, you didn't hear that. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but the thing is, uh, she had guys lining up for her. And grandfather, of course, won the day. Uh, he would go. He, my grandfather was a teacher. Uh, St. John's. He taught in St. John's. He taught in other schools. He was a music teacher. Uh, and he taught uh, violin uh, and different things. He wrote some songs from Malaysia. Uh, A.P. Chin is uh, his name, Anthony Peter Chin. Uh, and uh, so, but he was a poor teacher, okay? Uh, but he had a really nice suit, a white suit. They call it a shark fin suit. No, I don't know why they call it a shark fin suit. Uh, I think they t don't know what they scraped from the shark fin to make the suit. Uh, but that was his most expensive suit. He bought it with all his savings. And then he went, because grandma was in Singapore. She owned a business on Orchard Road. Uh, and she was very, very capable. Uh, few men already asked that she be the second wife, all that kind of stuff. She said, no way, I'm not going to be any man's uh, second wife. And my grandfather would take the train from Malaysia to Singapore every Friday and come back on Saturday, okay, just to see grandma. One day, grandma had enough. So as uh, grandpa came into the cafe, she was with her friends. She took the black coffee and threw it onto his white suit. Yeah, and that's how love started. You know, actually, it was how love ended, right? Uh, but my, my, my grandfather pursued and pursued and pursued until she said, okay, la, let's just do it. Okay, so uh, uh, they did it and they had nine children. Uh, and uh, grandpa, <laughs> talking to adults, right? No, grand, grandpa, grandpa had, uh, had nine children. My, my, my dad was uh, number two son. I know because they're all, you know, by, by alphabet uh, A. A is my eldest uncle, Andrew. Uh, B, Bernard, second. Uh, C, Clement. Uh, D, David. Uh, e, Eddie, Edward. Uh, F, Felix. Okay, the girls didn't matter. So, uh, <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. So, uh, eldest auntie is Patricia. Uh, then is Rosemary. Uh, and then is Francisca. Uh, auntie Franz, my youngest auntie. We call her Laiku. Uh, and, um, and, and, and so, yeah, so that's my family. 
And uh, I remember uh, living with grandma wasn't easy. Uh, I was uh, having to sleep on the floor because all the other rooms were taken up. Uh, Dad was supposed to get his own house, you know, and take care of his family, but he didn't have money, so he put us with Grandma. Uh, Grandma had me on the floor, and I think Lynette was sleeping on the bed with her, and uh, we were uh, awakened uh, every morning by the radio fusion. You know radio fusion? Radio fusion is like a radio uh, thing that goes on in uh, Malaysia with a box on the wall. It's, it's a box that comes out with netting, you know, with netting. And, and, and at 5 o'clock in the morning, you hear the elephant song. I wake up to that. That's my alarm. Okay? And I get up. I hated school. I hated school. I didn't have parents, right? I had a grandmother who was strict who did not speak English except bad words. Ah, bradi fu. Okay, all the bradi fu all came out. Ah, bradi fu. Okay, um, uh, so, uh, and she also knew another English word. She would say, Kenny boy. I said, yes, mama. Mickey Mouse. It was time for Mickey Mouse uh, to come on 5 o'clock, uh, black and white TV. Okay, but grandma didn't, couldn't say mouse, so she said Mickey Mouse. Uh, so one day I just said, Mickey Mouse, apa? <laughs> no, uh, but, um, uh, just, just teasing with my grandmother. Uh, but grand, grandma was strict, you know. She, uh, and, but she had nine children and they gave her money and she had a stack of 50 ringgit, you know, in her, in her cupboard. One, you know, it's a lot of money. A lot of money. I was only six years old and I saw money and I was so poor. I mean, I tell you, uh, we were so poor that when the robber came to rob our house, we robbed him. <laughs> Can you imagine robber came? I want to rob you. No, no, I'll rob you. Uh, uh. Come on, give me your underwear. So the, you know, we were so poor we were so poor that when we went to Kentucky Fried Chicken, couldn't afford, so we were licking other people's fingers. You know, so I'm just kidding. We were so poor, we were so poor that we couldn't say poor. We just said poor. Uh, couldn't even finish that word. Uh, so poor that uh, we saw rats and uh, cockroaches packing their bags and leaving. I said, hey, wh- where are you going? No food like your house, you know. Going to the neighbours. Very, very poor. I didn't even have my own underwear, you know. My uncle, can you imagine? 25-year-old uncle, uh, 25-year-old uncle donating their underwear to a 6-year-old boy. And with the underwear comes two rubber bands because it's so big, you can have to tie both sides. But tie both sides of the underwear. Thank God we finished eating already. Huh? Otherwise, you guys will be throwing up. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's true. True story. Uh, very, very poor. Uh, and uh, I was very good at saving money, though. You know, every time people gave me coins, I would save, 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 save. After three months, grandma would take all the coins, buy my auntie a, a Christmas card or something like that. Uh, but but this, is, this is life. And I will wake up, I will, I will hate school. I don't know why I hated school. I just, you know, I, no one, can you imagine this? Uh? Have you ever grown up uh, not knowing what school is? Because no mother, no father, so no one to say, this is a school. School is in a building with teachers. Classroom is like, this is a bus. Nothing. So I'm, I just get ushered out to the cold in the morning, 6 a.m. at 6 years old, standing in front there with white shirt, blue pants, and uh, thinking to myself, what's happening? A bus comes, mama, mama just says, get up. No one. The first day of school, no one goes with me. <laughs> mama just says, go up, go up. And then my bus man says, come now, come now, why are you standing there? All in Cantonese. I said, okay. So I went up, up there. I, it was all dark in the bus. Uh, the other students were like, sleeping already. You know? <laughs> and, and so I go up and I'm like, where do I sit? So I've you know, never been on a bus. 
uh, no mom, no dad beside. So I, I get ush- and, 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 and every time the bus goes, the bus doesn't just go one, one school, goes to a few schools. So every time kids go walk, I'm walking out and the bus man will say, not your school yet lah. Stupid boy. Not your school yet lah, stupid boy. Six times I, I, I got uh, uh, proclaimed stupid boy before I started school. So finally, finally, I'm sitting down on the seat at my school, the door opens and the busman said, Now go down, la, stupid boy. <laughs> Alright, so I go down and I'm like, Where do I go? Right. So moms and their kids all, you know, they get ushered to their classroom. I'm like, Where do I go? Where do I go? And so I end up lost and the canteen man found me. Canteen man found me and says, uh, Where are you going? I said, I don't know, uncle. Uh, Come here, la, stupid boy. Those days, you know why stupid boy is like, you know, it's like a superpower, you know? <laughs> stupid boy! <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm in a canteen and then the canteen man is going, he's getting the, he's getting a teacher. Teacher is like, what are you doing here? Where's your mother? Where's your father? Don't, don't know. So, uh, I get ushered into a class. I don't know what the class is. And so, they sit me at the back because the class is already full and all the parents are already jostling for seats. Uh, so they get all the best seats. I get the you know the back seat. I'm okay, you know, I'm okay with it because I don't know what school is. And so it was, it was, it was just like that. And uh, I remember we we were so poor. Uh, uh, I one day tried to steal my grandmother's money uh, because uh, it was hard to even buy sweets. You know, my cousin, uh, his dad Andrew, was uh, wealthy, uh, so he gets sweets like every day. You know, I don't get any. In fact, I just get mocked uh, by him like. And then I ain't got seed, you got not? I got seed, you got not? This one. So I, I thought, okay, fine, you know, with my borrowed underwear, I, I um, go into my borrowed shorts and uh, my, my, my little tiny t shirt at six years old. And uh, I knew where my grandmother put her key, it was under the pillow. And, uh, but she slept, you know, uh, soundly sometimes. And some, sometimes she woke up. And so for about 45 minutes, I was under her bed, finally got her key. Uh, went, opened her cupboard, uh, you know, very slowly because the cupboard was just next to her bed. Uh, and uh, wow, one stack of 50 ringgit, but I only took one. I wasn't greedy. <laughs> 50 ringgit, put it into my pocket, went opposite the, the street, bought myself my heart's desire. You know, those days, uh, the, the shops, I uh, had sweets all at the front. Uh, is to tempt children. Uh, uh, is to tempt children. And so I bought all the sweets, filled up both my pockets. And it was expensive. Okay, I gave him 50 ringgit. I got the change uh, coming back to me, 47 ringgit. So it's three ringgit full of sweets, right? Full of sweets, right? And oh, 47 ringgit, I'm rich, you know? So I walked back, I walked back to my house and my grandmother was already awake. And she looked at me and she says, Kenny boy! In Cantonese, she said, you stole my money, right? I'm thinking to myself, well, does my grandmother wake up every 20 minutes and count some money or what, what does she do? Wake up and he... Every 20 minutes. She knows. Did you steal my money? I said, no. <laughs> you know when people, when small boys, small boys lie, eh? they cannot close their mouth. Eh? <laughs> no. <laughs> and grandma says, what is that in your pocket? I said, nothing. <laughs> and as soon as I said that, she got up from her seat. I ran. I ran for my life. I ran to upstairs. Um... And uh, I said, you know, she was 68 then, I was 6, uh, and I knew I definitely could outrun her. Um, 
I, I got I, I got upstairs and 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 uh, tried to find a place to hide. And then and then okay, I, I saw a back room. And then so I went to the back room. I I hid by the corner and I'm praying. I'm praying without knowing God. I'm saying God, if 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 you're alive, if you're there, please take me home now. So grandma, grandma uh, was already upstairs and uh, she came, you know, those days are uh, the old houses, uh, they're all wooden, wooden uh, floors, wooden this, wooden doors, wooden that. And you can hear her coming. Okay, 68 years old. And you cause her to run. So now it's 68 plus anger and frustration and tiredness. But she got enough time to go and get her cane first. Her cane was very, very long. Okay, very long. It's like the Thundercats cane. Uh, and uh, some of you are too young to know what Thundercats is. Uh, but some of you may know it. Anyway, she comes and then she opens this door, the last room. No, she, comes. she doesn't even check any other room. She can smell you out. <laughs> Grandma learned Kung Fu in Shanghai uh, under Wong Fei Hong. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and so you could hear the door going... The doors, those days were so big. No? And I was just shivering, shivering, shivering. And she comes, and then she says, Soi Jai, you know. All the French came out. Soi Jai. You let me run. Huh? You know. You're going to die today. And then she really, you know, she took out a cat. I could hear. I could hear it. Like it was yesterday. Thunder, thunder. Thundercats. <laughs> and when he landed, when the cane landed, it didn't land on me, you know, it landed on my sister. Because my sister loved me so much, she came in between. And she got a long line you know, on her back. And she, she screamed. I thought, hey, why can't got girl's voice? Right now? <laughs> you know? And, and she loved me so much. And you know, I love her back. And we are best friends. And she just wanted to save her. Mola, mama, mola. Oh, no. This is my young brother. I love him. Please don't hit him. Please don't hit him, you know. And uh, so, of course, uh, you know, years later when someone told me that Jesus took all my punishment for me, I, 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 I could understand it. Because after grandma gave all her anger onto my sister, she had no more anger already. Right? Because all gone, ma, on someone else. So all of God's anger went on Jesus. And he had no more anger towards us. Someone took our place. So sister took my place. And, 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 and there my sister is pleading with grandma. And then grandma is calling my sister. Of course, like, soloi, soloi, you know. Stupid girl, stupid girl. You keep doing this and you kill your brother. And of course she left. Lah, because there's no more frustration, no more anger. All gone on to my sister. That's what Jesus did for you, by, by the way. Okay, That's what Jesus did for all of us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God is no longer angry with us. His anger fell on Jesus. Okay, Jesus took it uh, all for us. So anyway, uh, so we grew up. We grew up and, uh, you know, being best friends, me and my sister, we wanted to study together, although she's older than me, two years. Uh, and we did. We did study together because my sister went for a program called AFS, American Exchange Program. She went to uh, Alaska for uh, one and a half years. Well, she, actually, it's one year only, but you know, give and take. You know, it's about one and a half years. By the time she came back, uh, she was ready to study with me A-levels. 
uh, and we did law together. So both of us studied external uh, degree, at Uni University of London, as you know. Uh, and um, uh, our dream was to start a law firm together. So it's Kenneth and Lynette, so it's KL Lawyers. Uh, very, crea very creative name. <laughs> very creative name, uh, KL Lawyers. Um, except that uh, my father remarried. Uh, and uh, I have a really, really good stepmom, really good stepmom. Uh, none like you have read in all those other books uh, about the scary, wicked, uh, you know, cruel stepmother. I, I, I had nothing like that. But my sister already knew my mom. Uh, and so when a girl knows her mom already for two years, at least three years, there's a bond. And so it's very hard to receive another mom. You can, you can, but it's really the grace of God. Uh, really the help of the Holy Spirit that you can accept and love this new mom. But my sister couldn't. My sister couldn't. Uh, and worse still is that my father began to love this new woman in his life, as he should because he's his wife. Uh, but Lynette never needed to share her father's love with any other woman. And for most, if not all ladies, uh, relationship with their dads are very special. No matter what you say, no matter what they argue about, dads and their daughters are very, very close. Very, very. Dads will do anything for their daughters. Anything. And, and many uh, ladies, young ladies, have grown up without knowing what a true father's love is, without knowing a father's hug, without knowing a father's uh, you know, uh, special love. So, uh, many young ladies are growing up with a missing link. Uh, there is a hole in their heart because father, their own father, was supposed to fill it. And uh, father didn't, didn't fill it, so now they're looking for a father's love in other men. So there's a problem our world is facing now, that girls are going from one guy to another, actually not looking for a boyfriend's love. They're looking for a father's love in a man. And you can't blame that young man because he didn't know that that's what she needs. And so he doesn't go around being a father. He goes around being a, a, you know, a, a friend, a boyfriend. And the girl will give anything to get what she needs from this man. And most of the time, the girls give their body. And so the guy just says, thank you very much. I take it, you know, because it's free. Uh, uh, and, uh, but actually, the girl was trying to give whatever that was special to her to get whatever that's special from him, but not knowing that he could never give it. And so every girl, if they, especially if they don't have the Father's love on earth, they need to find the Father's love in heaven because He will fill that hole. He only. Father God only. Otherwise, girls will go from guy to guy actually searching for what they should have gotten from their dads. Everybody see with me? But praise God, today we have Father God who fills us all in all, and He is our all-sufficiency. Alright, so this is, this is very important. So Lynette uh, uh, had a very, very terrible time, and finally, before two months, before her, her 21st birthday, she took her life. And that was, uh, to me, uh, one of the worst times in my life. Because when you grow up with someone and you're so close and you have dreams with that someone and now that someone, I'm standing next to her bed in University Hospital and she's on this life support system. Uh, she's taken the poison into her body. She had enough uh, of, of life. She didn't know. Nobody was there to really counsel her. You know, 
sometimes I say, if I only knew then what I know now, I may have been able to save my sister. But, you know, it's just this. It's, it's, it, I, sometimes I try to, I think like that and God stops me and says, no, it's not your fault. Uh, uh, you know, uh, but today, uh, the Lord has used that tragedy to turn it around to a testimony. In fact, the very thing that got me to give up law and the career of law was God said to me this. He says, Kenneth, there are many more Lynettes out there. And so what I couldn't do before, I now believe I can do in the future. I can do now. Uh, when I say in the future means that the, the day I said, yes, Lord, was the day God uh, uh, put me into a, a, a future that could save many more Lynettes. Today, I, I want to tell you that we have a suicide prevention and mental health uh, uh, ministry in, back in Malaysia. And guess what, it, what it's called? It's called Lynettes. Uh, L-I-N-E-T-S stands for Life Inspired Networks Society. Okay, so we, we, we started a society uh, in memory of my sister Lynette. But because God said you will save many more Lynettes because there are many more girls hurting and you will be like a father to them. You will speak my love to them and they will find me and they will, they will be healed. They will be okay. Are you all see all right? Yeah. So this is, this, is, this is the thing. Now, it's very important to understand uh, that my life started to come to a place where uh, saying yes, Lord, uh, started me on a course uh, of greater things. Uh, in God. And so tonight, I, I, I'm telling you these stories and probably there are a few more to come. Uh, just to give you this very simple point. The way to live uh, the supernatural life in God is to remember these two words always. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Kenneth, would you give up your law degree and come follow me and I will send you to many more Lynettes. I struggled with it because when I became a lawyer, uh, my, you know, my family uh, and my dad, uh, none of them really graduated. So I uh, graduated with a degree, the first one really in the Chin family. Uh, and uh, well, I, I think my auntie was the first one. Uh, but the rest of my uncles and all that didn't, didn't make it. Uh, they finished Form 5 and then they went. So I was so it was really like a golden calf. And, uh, I, and my father was so proud. And I mean, it's not just any degree, but it was a law degree, not just from anywhere, but from the University of London. So, so there was some pride in my family uh, and it was hard to overcome. But the Lord is just wanting us to respond with two words. Yes, Lord. So I said, yes, Lord. And uh, I went on. Uh, I remember when I said yes, Lord, I didn't know what I would do, you know, because I was already earning a, a, a legal officer uh, pay. It was good pay. I was already thinking about my, my, my favorite car, which was Volvo. I, I had a favorite car once upon a time because all my uncles were driving Volvos. And so my grandmother was so frustrated. And one day she said, Why are you all like all these Cantonese? Why you all must drive Volvo? Why you must drive Volvo? I said, Wow. We're not, we're not driving Volvo. Uh, but but um, I wanted my Volvo. I wanted my, my apartment. I wanted my condominium. Uh, but I, you know, the yes, Lord. You see, all of us are, will have our own struggles and our own challenges, our own why we shouldn't. Uh, and, and, and I want to say to you tonight 
that there are, there are wonderful, amazing things awaiting all of you as it awaited me and I didn't know. But you will know with this key, this one key you all must have. It's called yes, Lord. Because when you have no, Lord, you will never know. When you say yes, Lord, at least you'll find out. Yes, Lord, gives God a chance to be able. Because if you are saying that God, our God, is able, but, that's our, that's our theme for this camp, our God is able, but, the but is that we need to say yes, Lord, for Him to make Himself able. He is able, but He wants to be able for you. He's able, but He wants to be able to you. Are you all still with me? Very, very important. So I said, yes, Lord. I went uh, and started work in FGAKL uh, in their missions department. Got paid 500 ringgit a month compared to 2,000 ringgit from the law, uh, well, from the office that I used to work for. When I got the pay, 500 ringgit, I laughed. I laughed for about an hour with my friend. I don't know, he was working with me. 500 because we couldn't even afford to pay our bills. So uh, I would sometimes go without lunch. I would go to the office, the pantry of FGAKL and drink their Milo for free. <laughs> and drink a lot. I learned how to drink Milo cow. You know what Milo cow is? Milo cow is one cup like this. Add Milo Serious, three quarter. Okay? So really, uh, you cannot drink this Milo, you can only scoop it with your spoon. Someone say yay, I say amen, praise God. Alright? You don't get this wonderful size, you know, just by drinking normal Milo, okay? Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord. 500 ringgit. Yes, I don't know how I'm going to survive, but yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So, the Lord says to me, Kenneth, I want you to start a youth ministry. What is it called? Asian Youth Ambassadors. He gave me a vision in 1994. It was a vision of revival. I was on my knees for over two hours. The Lord, I was caught up in this vision that Malaysia will experience a revival and it will be true young people. That's why I believe in young people so much. And um, I said, okay, Lord, let's, let's, let's do this. So I left FGKL's office without knowing uh, who will provide for me. I remember uh, I said, Lord, I know how to play tennis. I've been playing for school uh, and uh, I, I will teach tennis. I remember getting tennis balls, putting into the basket. Uh, I bought the basket, you know, with whatever money I have left and, uh, you know, went knocking on the doors of the apartment that I was staying at. I said, do you have a kid that would like, would he, would he like to, would she like to learn tennis? Uh, sure, sure, how much? You know, 40 ringgit, you know. Wow, 40 ringgit, you know, each kid. Uh, actually, they were charging 50, so I was giving 10 ringgit discount. Uh, but uh, when, the, when the schedule came out, uh, when the schedule came out, it rained every single day, only at the time of my tennis uh, coaching, one month. So I said, Lord, what is happening? Why, why is it raining only at my coaching hours? He said, because I didn't ask you to be a coach. I said, then how am I going to earn money? God said, I told you already, I will provide for you. I said, yeah, but I already bought the basket, bought the balls, bought two rackets. He said, you bought, I didn't ask you to. I said, okay. I remember praying, I said, God, then, then how, how will you do it? 
And uh, he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, I, I hear about uh, friends telling me that someone just slid an envelope of money under their door. I check my door every day and nothing. <laughs> so I heard another story of someone, you know, uh, uh, needing to get a, a, a ticket, you know, needing to get a ticket to fly somewhere. And God said, you will fly to this place on this day. Go get a ticket. And he lines up at the ticketing counter, you know, without any money, nothing. And I heard that story. You know, I think it was a, one of those YWAM stories. And uh, it was, he was like the second last uh, uh, person before the, the guy in front of him was... But, and he was like praying, God, where is the money? Where is the money? And then the guy turned around, right? The guy in front of him turned around and said, hey, God told me to buy you this ticket, you know? Right? Wonderful. I, I heard this kind of story. So I, I went and lined up at ticketing counters <laughs> and uh, banks, a post office, <laughs> Right? Always, always, that didn't happen, didn't happen to me. In fact, sometimes I even had to, my turn, so I come and say, oh, sorry, I thought it was McDonald's, you know. You know, I just had to bluff my way through and um, it was bad. Uh, I, I remember one time uh, there was another story about these two uh, uh, Indians uh, uh, doing uh, mission work and uh, they didn't have any more money and they needed exactly, don't know what, like how much, uh, maybe it was 355 ringgit, something like that, uh, you know, plus some cents. And uh, God said, go, don't pray here, pray under that tree. And so they went and prayed under that tree and, and, and you know, uh, they were praying and, 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 and suddenly money started to fall, fall from the tree. And so they looked up and there was a monkey with a bag. And, and all the monkey was doing was like that, okay? And, and money was falling out of the bag. And when they picked up the money and counted it, it was exactly what they needed. Okay, so stories like these are, you, you know, always come at the right time, right? just to encourage you. I went to pray under trees. All I got was the, you know, the, the, the pool uh, that came from birds. Uh, so that it was crazy. So I finally gave up uh, and, um, and I said, Lord, uh, uh, I, I don't know what to do. And this when I think you heard the testimony, I, I said to you that when I got married, I got, I got ang paus. And uh, so money was in my bank and the Lord said to me, you've been praying, you've been lining up at banks and all the kind of stuff. Uh, I'm telling you right now, you have money in your bank, take it out. So I said, God, you know, that was plan B. And God says, what's plan B? I said, plan B is when you fail. Uh, and God says, I won't fail. I, will ne I never fail. Uh, so I said, okay, God, I took out the... I, ran, I remember going to the bank uh, and I said, I would like to withdraw money. And the uh, person at the counter said, how much? I said, all. And as I said all, uh, tears began to roll. <laughs> and I tell you, I guarantee you, it's not tears of joy. Uh. It, was, it was tears of work. Plan B is now out of the way. And I was supposed to keep it to you know, uh, start my marriage. Uh. And so I put the seven thousand. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. The money went in and I paid uh, the deposit to start uh, a cafe, a youth centre, okay? And uh, then came the miracles. I will open uh, my, my, my uh, post box and there will be envelopes of money in there. Uh, there will be people shaking my hand, shaking my hand. Hey, Kenneth, how are you? And I took some time to say I'm fine because there's paper in the middle of our hands. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> and then he would try to kind of stop the money in, like, and, 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 and I'll take the first time it happened I actually opened it in front of him because like, <laughs> I'm like hey, <laughs> you know like hey what's this put paper in the middle hey what's this he gili, uh, gili. <laughs> so gili uh. what's this so I'm like hey, what's this and then the guy goes like okay, okay bye God bless you uh. 
you know, 100 ringgit. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, after a while, I learned to like, you know, just be a bit more discreet. So I, oh, hallelujah, thank you. Yeah. One time I did that, right? Uh, I, had a, I had car repairs, 700 ringgit. I didn't know how to repair it. Didn't have the money. Uh, the car was supposed to go in uh, tomorrow and they, the mechanic told me it was 700 ringgit and I had another bill to be paid 200 ringgit and this guy shook my hand. Another guy, okay, shook my hand. Kenneth, how are you? Okay, fine. Okay, good. So, so I took it. I said, yeah, thank you. God bless. All right. I've never seen a 1,000 ringgit note ever before in my life. And nobody knew that my bill for that month came to 900 plus. So I had 30 ringgit left. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, I could eat a couple of roti chanais. Uh, living by faith is very, very challenging, but very, very exciting at the same time. I must tell you that. Okay, so then the Lord said to me, I want you to start the ministry, AYA. And I said to God, God, Asian Youth Ambassadors, uh, what do you want me to do? He says, just go and share what I've given you, including the death of your sister. Share your story. Share your story and let young people know how much I love them. And I wasn't trained. I didn't go to Bible school. Uh, and uh, I wanted to go to Bible school, but the Lord says to me, no, uh, I don't need you to go to Bible school. Maybe with other people, I will send them to Bible school. But with you, I've got a different story. I've got a different journey. Everybody has a different journey. We've got to follow God and follow His path for us. So I said, uh, but God, I don't even know how to preach. He said, I'll teach you how to preach. I, I don't know what to say. He said, just tell your story. Everybody has a story. Tell your story. So I would... Uh, go and, and uh, tell people, would you like uh, me and my band? Uh, no, the, the band was called, right? AYA. Band. I mean, it's not a very cool name, right? Aya Band. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kenneth Jean and the Aya Band. You know? <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and I was not known at all. I just went around. I said, would you, would you like? Uh, I would like to come. And so, uh, I had the first invitation, I think, in Alostar, right there? Uh, and Alostar... Uh, a, a pastor there, FGC, Full Gospel Church, I think. And uh, I walked in there with my Aya band uh, and the place was packed with young people. Uh, and I knew it was God because I already told God, uh, God, I don't know how to preach. I, I don't have a band. I don't know how to play music. I, you know, basically all the excuses for saying no. How many of you know there's too many no's in church today? Just too many. We've got to come back to a place where Christians are saying yes, Lord, more than they're saying no. And I guarantee you that this world will change. This world will change. So, yes, Lord. And there was 400 young people waiting in that church. All the seats were filled. Parents came along. My first altar call, I finished preaching in 20 minutes because not so much to say except the story. All right? And 20 minutes, I finished preaching and I said, uh, those of you who want to be prayed for, come out. Uh, those of you who want to accept Jesus, come out. And so the very first altar uh, was filled with 150 people. My very first altar, 150 people. But, the, but as soon as I was going to go down to pray for them, uh, the Lord said to me, you stay up. Let the young people do it. So my team of 15, 16, 17-year-olds had to go down because the Holy Spirit said, it's not you, Kenneth. I want you to use young people from day one. And so they're, they're going down and they're praying. But the fact is that, uh, this is the truth, 
and the fact that when they laid hands on the people at the front there, they all fell under the power of the Holy Spirit. 16, 17-year-olds. And this is how it happened. So, so they'll be praying. Boom! The guy falls on the ground by the power of the Spirit. And this is... I remember uh, some of the guys <clears throat> will do this, no? After doing that, they go like... <laughs> Never happened before. Because you see, uh, in our churches, very seldom young people get to be called up to pray for people. It's always your elders, your deacons, your pastors, right? So very seldom... Young, so many young people don't experience God. You see, so they had to have an experience because when you give a young person an experience with God, as soon as a young person tastes the experience, they will never be the same again. That's why it's so important to go on missions because when young people come back from missions, they change. They forever change. So young people go like this. They, don't, they forgot about the guy on the ground already. Like, and, then, and then they go like this. They look at me for answers. I go like, carry on. So boom, 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 boom. One time, uh, I remember... Uh, uh, the young people going down. As soon as the young people went down, they haven't even touched. The people were falling. The, the Holy Spirit just, just went like that. Boom. And, and, you know, and young people were falling over young people. You know, just go brrrr, like dynamo. Uh, like like uh, domino. Dynamo. Dynamo also is quite good. Nice, nice smelling. Uh, domino. And, and, and so, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I want to not draw this too, too late. But I just want to say, if you are catching anything uh, as I'm telling stories tonight, catch Yes, Lord. Because nothing happens without those two words. The Lord, uh, after five years of doing AYA, going around the country, we saw uh, over 3,000 young people give their lives to Jesus. Now that's awesome because for a person who has not been to Bible school, don't know how to preach uh, and, uh, and all that, don't have a band, don't know how to play music, didn't even go down to the altar to pray for people most, most times. Uh, it's God, and to God be all the glory, right? 3,000 young people giving their hearts to, to, to Jesus was awesome. Seeing young people on their feet, on their knees, on the ground, tears flowing because the Holy Spirit has touched them was, I tell you, you know when you start as a zero and then suddenly you come to a place whereby now you are more recognized in Malaysia, people now want you to speak, want you to bring your band, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, can I be honest with you? Just feeling pretty good. Oh, no, yeah, it's success in ministry. And so, success also comes with comfort. You know, it always goes together. You know? Once you're successful, comfort comes in. And I was starting to get comfortable. And the Lord said to me, Kenneth, are you happy to, to have 3,000 decisions? I said, yes, Lord. Thank you so much. He says, I did not ask you for decisions. Huh? Sorry? I asked you for disciples. And it's two different things. He... I, the Lord says, I told you to go and make disciples, not go and make decisions. So, do not just be satisfied with 3,000 decisions. So, I don't want to stand before God saying, God, I got 3,000 decisions. I want to stand before God saying, I got three disciples. See, this is very, very important. Billy Graham said it himself. He said, if I had to do it all over again, and Billy Graham, uh, 50 million people receiving Christ is attributed to his ministry. 50 million. For Reinhard Bonke, it's 75 million. But this is what uh, Billy Graham answered when he was asked, you know, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do? He said, I would choose 12 men to disciple. So maybe that's why you don't have another Billy Graham because there is no, there was no, you know, this is Billy Graham's own words. I would do it again, making sure that I'm not only preaching to the crowd, I'm having a few men that I'm sowing into so that there can be next Billy Graham's. 
This is, this, is, this is not from me, it's from him. So it's very important. So I said, what do you want me to do, Lord? And I knew in my heart, God wanted me to plant a church. And I tell you, uh, can, can I be very honest with you? I did not want to plant a church at all. I tell you, when I was going around preaching uh, as an evangelist, as a youth evangelist, I could see, uh, oh, it, it felt so good because young people will love your stories, love your jokes, laugh, and think that you are better than their pastor. <laughs> can I be very honest? Oh, where have you been all our lives? Pastor, please invite him more. Invite him more. Let him take your pulpit more. Right? And then, uh, you just feel like a hero. You walk out because the young people were touched by you. They're crying. They're on the floor. They're saying, thank you, Pastor. One guy even came up to me and said, uh, Pastor Kenneth, tonight I was going to commit suicide. I already bought everything. All the poison is there in my house. And my friend said, would you come with me to this rally? I came to this rally just to please my friend and now we're going to go back and take my life. After hearing you, I don't want to die anymore. I want to live. When you hear things like that, you go like, hallelujah, praise God. It also causes the flesh also to be a little bit like, yay. Hey, right? Just be honest. I just be honest with you. And I said to myself, I don't want to be a pastor. Because I tell you what, it is the pastors that continue with that person for weeks, months, and years to come. That guy only cried on your shoulder for 15 minutes. And you're the hero. This one is going to be 15 years. He's going to cry on the shoulder of the pastor. The pastor, you see the five-fold ministry, apostle, Apostle, touch everything. Prophet, points. Evangelist, longest finger to reach people. And then the pastor is married. See the ring? Married to the church. And then the teacher, smallest finger, can get into your ear. So, so, you, so, so you need to understand. This is how you remember the five-fold ministry. Uh, married. Pastor married to the church. Committed. Dedicated. Cannot go find job anywhere else. Cannot go holiday. This guy was supposed to come before Sunday. But because he had to be in church for Sunday, that they flew on Sunday night. Pastors make decisions like that. All the time, married to the church. It's not a curse, but I felt it was a curse. They said, Lord, please, anything but a pastor. Anything but a pastor. And God says, if you don't do this, you will never know a pastor's heart. And when you work with pastors, you will always think that they are second... There are nothing, the people complain about them. Yeah, the people must be right, the pastor must be wrong because you don't know what a pastor goes through. Let me make you into a pastor. Let me make you into a pastor and you understand pastors' hearts and then you can work with them because you'll be more gentle, you'll be more compassionate when you talk to them, you'll be more understanding. You'll be saying, Pastor, I understand what you're going through. I know. Because sometimes that's why evangelists and and parachurch organizations and all that. Bless them, bless them. Thank God for them. But I tell you what, because they don't understand how churches work and how pastors work, we are always fighting. We are always saying, who is better? Who is more important? Who is doing a better job? We shouldn't be comparing like that. Because I tell you, pastors are married and I tell you what, they bury you. They marry you. They go for your graduation. They go for stuff that other people don't go for. They, they are there. Okay, they cook for you. Tonight's dinner was... I tell you, I'll pay money for it. No, seriously. Where can I pay? Uh, it's better than restaurant. No. Ah, uh, this kind of pastor lah, married to the church, okay? And and you know, miss, miss all the other fun just to cook for you. I I, I went out uh, to my car and I said, Dave, still cooking? Uh? This kitchen never stops. <laughs> he said to me, This kitchen never stops. 
pastor, you want to be a pastor or not? So I said, God, please. And God says, Kenneth, I, I give you a choice. You have all the success, 3,000 people saved, blah, blah, blah. You come in front of me and I say to you, uh, I never knew you. Because the very thing I ask you to do, you don't do. Lord, Lord, didn't I not preach in your name, cast out demons? I don't know you because you didn't do. So he says, I'm telling you right now what's my will. Are you going to do it? Because if you're not going to do it, then forget about all the numbers of the past. Just forget about it. Okay, I'm telling you right now, this is what you need to do. Obey or not. So I, I said, Lord, if you put it that way, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes, Lord. And so I started a church and I remember, um, you know, because I don't know, I told SIBKL, which I, I, was, I was a youth pastor for SIBKL, none of you young people are allowed to follow me. None. I cannot, I cannot start uh, uh, my, my next, uh, whatever God is going to uh, ask me to start uh, on another man's success. I, I cannot, I cannot steal any sheep. I, uh, even if I'm not, I'm not stealing, I don't want to be seen as that. I, I, let God do what He wants to do. None of you are, are supposed to follow me. So I, when I prayed, I said, Lord, the first Sunday, if I preach to four empty walls, so be it. Well, very gung-ho. No? Because I, I, I was hoping secretly that I would preach to four empty walls. And the Lord would say, as He said to Abraham, hold your hand. You shall not kill your child. Now I know you fear me. You know, I was hoping. I'll start the church on Sunday and I'll stand there. I said, praise the Lord. You know, nobody, just empty seats. I'm going to preach to you, you know. And I hear God say, Kenneth, I now know you fear me. Go back to your ministry, AYA. <laughs> I was hoping. But then God sent two young persons, two young adults, Kenyak and Ryan. Kenyak and Ryan. Both I was discipling. And I brought them to SIB, so they came out of SIB to join me. Kenyak is still with us. Ryan has went on to start his own church. But I tell you what, I'm like, God, who is going to play guitar? And I'm hoping that God, if He brings me anybody, they will play instruments. Nobody played nothing. <laughs> but three months before the church started, uh, God put an interest in my heart for guitar. Wow. See, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, if God puts some interest in your heart, uh, He's setting you up for something, okay? Yeah. He's setting you up for something. And so I'm playing the guitar. And I'm, I'm very slow at, uh, at guitar because I didn't know that I needed it for church. So I'm learning, uh, Jesus, we enthrone you, was the first song. And, but I don't know why, I only know how to strum down, not up. Every time I strum up, I, I lose momentum. Hey, okay, Jesus, we enthrone you, Jesus, love, my, love of my soul. And the third song, I can't remember. Um, I think we had Jesus also. Um, and so I'm trying, so Jesus, we enthrone, we enthrone. And then I'm, I'm leading, I'm leading. Three songs for three months, I kid you not. All this began with a yes, Lord. Guitar, three chords, strum down only. Three songs, three people on the third floor for three months. As long as you have the Trinity, you'll be fine. So, but I, I, I did feel like, oh, these two guys that joined me, uh, they, they, I'm, I'm sure they're bored, no? Because the three, how many of you are, uh, same song for one month or so, you're like, hey, can change song, no? Three months, hey, hey, three same songs, you know? But I was very creative. I turned around the arrangement. <laughs> I tried to fool my people. Fool them. <laughs> Jesus, live on my soul. Today, first song. Next week, third song. <laughs> Do you see the change? 
They didn't care. We just sang. We just sang. I remember one time, they, 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 you know, the two guys simultaneously... Now, Kenya, you know, uh, Dave, don't cry one, no? Never in public. Ryan, I don't know. Uh, but I've, never, I've never seen him cry. Both brothers cried that one Sunday, about two months after we started, uh, and same songs. Same songs. Now, I also was crying inside. Because I'm like, God, I'm so rubbish, man. I'm so bad. I'm trying to bluff these guys with the three arrangements. And then they finally found out and they cried. They cried. They cried and they lifted up their hands and said, Lord, please make him stop. I, no, I, I didn't hear that. In my ear, I heard that in my spirit that they were crying. God, help him, please. I was the first worship leader for X Church, okay? Terrible. <laughs> crying. And then I remember, I, I remember that for five years, no, Dave. And then five years later, when our church was like 600 people, I, I said to Kenya and Ryan, I said, hey, remember not one time, uh, just two months after we started, you guys cried, no? Cried, lifting up your hands, uh, and I felt so discouraged. I said, do you know that? Because I, I didn't tell you that I felt discouraged. I said, why? Why you felt discouraged? I said, because, you know, I was thinking to myself, I already tried to bluff you for three... <laughs> No, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use this word, you know, just in case you think I'm serious. But I, 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 I tried to bluff you for two months already, you know, try to change the song arrangement, try to be funky, try to be groovy, try, you know, but you know, I could only strum down, couldn't strum out. Sometimes I try to strum up, you know, I lose my momentum, and, you know, and then you guys just gave up. You gave up and you just cried out to the Lord. They said, I can't remember. Pastor, I can't remember. I said, I said you can't remember? Both of you cried, no, you never cry one. I said, but we are tone deaf. Both of us are tone deaf. Both of them are tone deaf. God knows who to bring you. You don't be afraid. He knows who to bring you. Huh? You play guitar, man? Couldn't hear. I thought you played piano. It's, it's, it's crazy. I, I, you know, yes, Lord, I'll start this church. I, I'm going to fail. But yes, Lord, if you want me to, yes, Lord. We collected our first offering. The Lord said to me, uh, please. No, he, he didn't say please. Lah. He just says, collect offering on the first Sunday. I said, collect offering with three people? But I've never collected offering with three people. No? Collect. You do not rob my people. I said, I'll be robbing them if I can take an offering. <laughs> he says, no. You rob them when you don't take an offering because when people are given the chance to give an offering, they are blessed. So when they don't have a chance to give, they can't be blessed, you see. So you must not rob them of their blessing. Go ahead. I said, I don't even have an offering back. Use whatever you have. One old envelope I'm using with my name still on top. <laughs> so I, I remember, you know, the, the offering back went round. Went round. <laughs> Those days, three people, you knew who gave and who didn't. <laughs> and, you could, and you could stop there. Come on, brother. Is that the best you can do? Come on. For accountability's sake, we got all three people, all three, the whole church counted the offering after service. <laughs> accountability. Day one in X Church, accountability. All three. The whole church. Have you ever had the whole church count offering? This is the church. Count. And then when we're counting offering, we even know whose note is whose note. <laughs> this is your five, right? Why you fall so tightly until the agong is crying? Three grew to six. Right? Oh, that's 100% growth. 
and then 12 and 48. By the time we reached about 60-something, my friend from Kluang, Pastor Victor Wong said, Pastor Kenneth, I want to tell you, you have the fastest growing church in Malaysia. <laughs> He's joking, but actually by percentage we were. You know. <laughs> and then it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. Came to 300 and the Lord said to me, the church is not growing. Ask me why. I said, Lord, why? He said, because as the church grew from three to 300, you've now forgotten me. You now have other people's names to call when you are in trouble. When you had nothing, you only had God, 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 God. You know that song? Jesus, you know, all, all I need is you or something like that. Beautiful words. But really, it's, it's nice to sing, but when you have everything else going for you, uh, you are, it's just going to be a song. He's only all you need if He's all you have. And so the Lord says to me, I tell you the most beautiful words. I cried when He said it. Kenneth, I miss you. I miss you. Because when we started, we started together. Started with nothing. And you called upon me day and night. You had no money, no salary, nothing. You called upon me. Now that you're a bit more popular in Malaysia, people are inviting you, blah, blah, blah. You've got other numbers to call. We've got our own black book. Where's God? You call Him when everybody says no to you. And God says... To me, would you come back to the place whereby it's just you and me? Just you and me. I said, yes, Lord. I said, yes, Lord, without knowing what he wanted. But then I knew what he wanted after that. You know why? Because there was a multi-millionaire who was giving to our ministry 12,000 ringgit every month. And I needed 15,000 ringgit. And from the students in our church, we got the other 3,000 and then the 12,000. Without the 12,000, you know, we won't pay the bills. So the Lord said to me, would you want to give that up and just trust me? Oh, I tell you what, huh? It was tough. And so I wrote the letter finally and wrote, Dear Dato, okay, it's a, it's a rich guy in Malaysia, Christian guy, loves our ministry, loves me, and has given 12,000 every month faithfully. And I had to write to him and say, Dato, uh, God told me to stop taking this money. You know, I tell you, I prayed before I write, wrote that letter, that email, because it would seem like I don't want his money and sure enough, he called me after the letter was sent. You know what? The letter was written in three days, sent in two weeks. Because that button send is a very painful button to press. Because once it goes, it cannot come back already. Right? So two weeks, I, I was, you know, fear and trembling. I pressed that button, went to Dato. Dato called me. Just, I think, within hours. He says, Kenneth, what's wrong with my money? Scolds me for 30 minutes over the phone. Uh, we ended by saying, God wants this, not me. I, you see, I, I said, do you think I'm crazy to reject your 12,000? I need this. And he says, but God told you, right? Let's see. He puts the phone down. Let's see. It was a challenge. I put the phone down. I started crying. Tears. I mean, sometimes you don't want to cry, but the tears just flow, no? The tears want to flow. And then Elder Kenya, who is my financial guy, comes in and says, Pastor, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? <laughs> Financial guy always worried, no? Did you do it? Did you do it? I said, yes. He also started crying. <laughs> Two weeks later, it's the end of the month. You know what end of the month means? Paying bills. Elder Kenya walks into my office and said, and now he's still in tears, but it's a different kind of reason why he's tearing. He says, Pastor, I just want to let you know that we counted the offering and the total is that we have 13,000 ringgit more in the offering bag. The man gave me 12 
I now no longer have 12, but there's 13,000 ringgit more in this month's offering. Both of us cried. The next month, he walks into my office and says, Pastor, there's 26,000 ringgit more. The next month, he comes, he says, Pastor, there's 30,000 ringgit more. 33,000 ringgit more. 34,000 ringgit more. We are, we are crying almost every month at the end of the month because we don't know. And in within, this is how it was. We weren't growing. We were stuck at 300 for one year. And then suddenly, we grew to 600 people in six months. We doubled in six months. Because the truth of the matter is that church growth strategy is not found in books. It's found in obedience. Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, or well, down, down to verse 47, God added to the church daily those who are being saved. So it's not you or me who adds, it's God who adds daily to the church. So all God wants is you obey Him, He adds. You obey Him, He adds. You obey. What, what did the 12,000 ringgit, 12,000 ringgit has got to do with money. What has money got to do with adding of 300 more people to your church? No, God can add. He just wants you to obey. And you know, this is the thing, you know, what we found out was not only more people came to church because God was bringing them, people were being blessed. We had young working adults who told, to, told us, Pastor, I put more into the offering this month because I just got my bonus. I just got my bonus. I just got my bonus. Three people, four people. I just sold something. I just was blessed. I just got my, my, my pay increase. So I recognized that day uh, that the pastor's obedience brings blessing to his people. Wow. That means the people also get blessed. And money just began to, you know, we never needed the Dato's help ever again. So Dato said, let's see, right? Yeah. Thinking that I'll come begging him for money, but I never needed to. Now we are actually very good friends. We're very good friends because he said, Kenneth, your kind of faith, uh, I've not seen in many places in Malaysia. Uh, and and I, I, I believe you are genuine. So I'm, I, I, I hope to draw to a, a, a close of the stories uh, soon and then just give you a few uh, handles and then we, we'll, we'll, we'll pray. But, but when you go away, you might forget the stories, but I just want you to remember the miracle starts with two words. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So the Lord told me, uh, Kenneth, I want you to retire by 50 as the senior pastor of X Church. Uh, people were wondering, Pastor, now the church is in 10 nations, you're doing well, you, you know, you should be enjoying the fruits uh, of your labor. Uh, why are you retiring? I said, no, no, it's not me. I don't plan for this kind of things. God tells me, I obey. And we make sure that other younger leaders start stepping up. What do you do then, Pastor Kenneth? I said, i got a lot to do. In fact, I think I'm a little bit busier than I was uh, when I was senior pastor because God now uh, allows me to uh, travel and speak to other pastors in uh, different churches. Just recently, I don't know whether you've heard uh, of an uh, uh, organization by the name of Haggai. Uh, Institute. Haggai is big, it's, uh, it's in uh, 180 countries. And so they called me and says, uh, Pastor Kenneth, uh, we, we, we spoke to the pastors that we invited for this pastor's conference and we said, uh, who should we invite to speak about young people in Malaysia? And everybody uh, with one accord said, you've got to invite Kenneth Chin. He is the authority of young people in Malaysia. Now, I didn't say that. But the thing is that I'm not a Haggai alumni. You've got to be a Haggai alumni or a... a uh, expert in a subject matter to be invited. So when my name was put up, uh, they had to take my name and send it to the headquarters in Maui. I think in Maui, uh, Hawaii, right? In, in, in Hawaii. So Hawaii headquarters of, uh, for Haggai gives the okay or not 
for speakers to speak at conference. So they, they gave the okay and I spoke. Uh, and so I, 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 I'm beginning to see God open doors for me to be a blessing to other uh, churches because you know, yesterday I told you, unity is big for X Church. I love the church. It doesn't just have to be X. It's got to be the church, the bride of Christ. Amen? Uh, and finally, maybe I end with this story. Is uh, at 52, the Lord says, you're not done yet. I want you to plant another church. I said, God, 52, you want me to plant another church? Yes, because I want you to model out what it means to plant a church where you live. So you're living in this area called Kota Kamuning, Sha'alam. Uh, I want you to plant a church there. Many more people need to hear about Jesus here. Plant. I said, I'm 52. And, uh, you know, why don't you ask someone younger? No, uh, I don't know your age. I, I don't know your age. Uh, so you're 52, are you? Oh, okay. So um, God doesn't look at our age. You know, He, he looks uh, at our hearts. So He said, would you do this for me? I said, uh, okay, Lord. You know, finally, it's always, come on, people. What's uh, the key to miracles? Signs and wonders? The supernatural? Yes, Lord. So yes, Lord. So as I told you in London, I think I told you in London, that uh, the church was planted with 14 people, uh, 10 adults, 4 kids, and in 6 months, the Lord made it grow to 144. It means it grew 10 times in 6 months. So now I'm having to start a second service. Uh, uh, and, and I'm like, okay, God, it looks like whatever you taught me still works. Uh, that church uh, grows when we obey you. So uh, it looks to me like God will not stop uh, bringing me places and causing things to happen through my life. But you know, I know when it will stop. It will stop when I say no. As simple as that. Do you, do you see this? This is a very simple message tonight. It just stops when you say, you know when the, um, the oil stopped with the widow? It stopped when the vessel stopped. So go borrow as many vessels as you can. And then she pours out from a small bottle into every other bottle and it never stops. It never stops. The oil only stops when the vessels stop. And the oil will stop when vessels stop. The oil will stop. The anointing will stop. The blessing will stop. The miracles will stop when the vessels, the willing vessels, you are all vessels in this room. Oil stops when you stop. You are the church. We rise up and we say, Yes, Lord. Keep doing it, Lord. Sometimes I harbour uh, secret dreams uh, to be the Prime Minister of Malaysia. It's funny, you know. And then everybody will say, cannot, right? But I say, God, you can, you know, you, you do it. But if I ever the Prime Minister of Malaysia, God has got to be glorified. Uh, uh, and stuff. So I, now, my, my wife has asked me before, if you weren't a pastor, what would you do? I, I, will, I would have entered politics. Uh, only because I feel like uh, with politics, I can change the, the nation. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I want to change the nation. So I think God has not stopped with me. Uh, when, when I first entered ministry, He gave me the vision uh, that I would be a Joseph uh, to Malaysia. So I'm thinking to myself, unless the Lord takes me home earlier, uh, and which is okay also, I'll be with Him in His glory. I will love that. Uh, but while I'm still on earth, uh, may the yes, Lord, never cease. Too many... Uh, no Lord. So let me just turn you very quickly uh, to Luke 5. Uh, as I said uh, to you, I will uh, share something very quick 
uh, trust and faith. Uh, you are all uh, very smart people here, so I don't have to elaborate too much. I want you to see something together with me now, uh, and uh, then we will move on uh, to the last lap of tonight, and I pray that you will be blessed. A very, very simple message. Here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 5, uh, we see, it says in verse 1, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish uh, which they had taken. Uh, and so also were James. Okay, uh, and of course Jesus says, uh, Do not be afraid. Uh, from now on, you will catch men. Uh, let's uh, uh, pause there uh, for a moment and turn to John 21, I think. John 21. John 21. Um, let me do this as quickly as I can, okay, guys? Because I want to pray and let you guys go. Uh, but I don't want to let you guys go without uh, making sure that I give you God's Word. So, uh, John uh, 21. It says here uh, in uh, verse uh, 3, uh, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Okay. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. This was Jesus resurrected. Huh? Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw in it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. I don't know why you put on outer garment and plunge into the sea. Uh, but anyway. But the other disciples came in the little boat, uh, but, uh, so dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, saw a fire coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Okay. Uh, let me just uh, do this with you very quickly. So, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was teaching in Luke 5. He finished the word and he was using uh, uh, Simon Peter's boat. And now he says to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep. So I guess, uh, people, that the next miracle in your life is in the deep. The deep is a very scary place. It's a very uncertain place. It's, it's a place you can't see, you, can't, you don't know uh, what, what it holds. But it's in the deep. But I think what the Lord was really going after was not the deep in the physical, but the deep in the spiritual. Meaning to say that um, for many of us, what God really wants out of us is not just a physical deep, like go to London and help with X London. That is a physical deep. But as you go, as you say, yes, Lord, God is really after the depth in you. The depth in you. 
So listen, maybe you have not seen this before, but I want you to see it. Uh, in, uh, let's look at verse, do you, do you have the verses up there, brother? Verse 5 maybe you have? Can't go back? Okay. It's alright. Well, you have your own Bibles, okay? Uh, don't be too lazy. Uh, so Jesus says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Okay. Uh, quick Bible study, yeah? He says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus is prophesying into your future that although you toil all night and caught nothing, you will now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. It's not just the deep physically, I said it's the deep spiritually because this is uh, Peter's answer. Lord, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. So you have a personal experience that is not so good. And you are keeping holding on to a personal experience and because of the personal experience, you will say, no, Lord. No, Lord. Have I ever told you before that uh, I, uh, I worship led in a girls' school, all girls' school? And uh, so they, they, they called me, uh, Kenneth, please come. So I practiced, practiced with my uh, guitarist, went to the school and there were 400 girls, I kid you not, 400 girls uh, in religious week. Religious week in, in Malaysia, we have that. Huh? Meaning that the Muslims will go to their thing, uh, the Buddhists will go, all the other religions, and then those without religion uh, will join the Christians. Okay, uh, and, uh, and so, in there, of 400 girls, there were 40 Christians and 360 non-Christians. And so, I, in front, I, I actually thought I was going to do well. Okay, I was not a bad-looking uh, young man. Uh, in front of these girls, I felt, okay, I'm going to do okay. And my guitarist, oh no, he felt even more good-looking uh, than anyone else. So he went, jing jang, jing jang, jing jang. And I said, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. But I, I didn't even go as far as that. And I heard 360 girls boo. Boo! Boo! I, did they think it was a Blackpink concert? I, I don't know. Uh, but boo! Boo! No. So I changed song after about 30 seconds. I went like this. Alright? So, this is the day that the Lord has become blessed. Look, okay, it flows. Come bless the Lord. Come boo, boo, boo. I don't know whether any of you worship leaders have anyone booing at your song choice ever before. We don't do it in church, right? We are very kind. Even though we don't like the song, so we won't boo. We boo inside. And God will judge your inside. Okay, don't, don't be careful. But these girls all, uh, they, they, they let it all out. Boo, boo. Four songs I prepared, finished in two minutes. And I told myself, I will never do it again. In front of girls, no? So I was called again uh, by the same school. Uh, Kenneth, would you come share your testimony, lead uh, girls to Christ? <laughs> now it's not worship reading because obviously it doesn't work. <laughs> but that boo experience caused me to go like, I will never be on stage ever again. I made a decision based on a past experience. Can you imagine that uh, if I followed through, I won't be here speaking to you. You make decisions based on past experience. I do as well. And I, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, I'll never do this again. I'm not a stage ministry person. And then the invitation came again. God will revisit you again, especially if it's His will. He will give you another invitation. And I said, you know, as soon as I heard who He was, let me just tell you the school, okay? St. Mary's, my sister's school. St. Mary's, okay? Uh, the chaplain called me. Kenneth, will you do it again? I said, do what again? He said, uh, you know, come to our school. You know, we liked you. I said, you sh liar. Wait, no, please come again. But this time around, you're going to share your testimony. And I said, uh, can, I, can I pray about it? You know? 
Sometimes we say that, but it's actually no, Lord. We say we pray about it, but it's actually no, Lord. So I put it on the phone and I didn't pray about it. Because it was just no, no way, no way, no way. Past experience. We make decisions based on past experience. And so I said, no, Lord. And, uh, and uh, then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Kenneth, why? Why are you saying no? I, this is my invitation, not hers. Finally, I said, and I went, and I went fear and trembling because of my last experience. Cut long story short, shared my testimony, 20 minutes, led 40 girls to Christ. We would miss it. Many of us miss it just because we say no. Don't be so quick to say no. The miracle is in the yes. I have washed my net. Do you understand? Uh, fishermen go out, try to catch fish whole night. No. Now, uh, they are sitting in their boat. They are washing. They are taking the seaweed out. They are taking the plastic bag out if it's in Portixon. You know, they are they're, they're taking the straw out. They are taking, you know, um, condom out. They are they're, they're taking, you know, uh, uh, sanitary pads out. I don't know what. They, you know, they are cleaning the net. And now this Jesus, who is not a fisherman, by the way, Carpenter telling a fisherman what to do. I'm cleaning the nets and you ask me to put it again? I just finished cleaning. You ask me, I can let you use my boat, dear teacher. You're asking me to put my net. You understand what I've gone through or not? Jesus, it's not just launched out into the deep, no. Jesus is going after his deep. Peter, I'm after, your, I'm after your trust. That's why Peter answered, and I love the answer. The answer is, I've told all night, but nevertheless, I will. So that's what I call faith. Everyone needs a nevertheless. My experience tells me this, but nevertheless. My hurt, my pain, my, my past tells me this, but nevertheless, at your word. That's faith. Now the difference. Now the difference. Nevertheless, I will let down the net. Full stop. Jesus said, let down the nets as for a catch. He's saying, let down all your nets for a catch. I'm prophesying that you will have a catch. Peter says, nevertheless, I will let down the net. I'm only willing to let down one net. And I will not finish the sentence. I don't know whether there will be a catch. So we can start by faith and that's good. We all need a yes, Lord, but I tell you it's a journey. Pastor David said it yesterday. It's a journey. Was it this morning? To trust in the Lord. I trust you enough, Lord, to let down one net. You say nets, I say net. You say, let down nets for a catch. I don't want to say for a catch because I don't know whether there'll be a catch. No. Why did I ask you to read John 21? Because same thing happened. I talked all night, caught nothing, and Jesus says, put the net on the right side. Maybe because the whole night was on the wrong side. <laughs> put, put, put your nets on the, right, on the right side and you will catch something. This time around, do you see anything? Did they, did they answer back? In John 21, did they answer back? No. They just went ahead and put the net and they caught. 
I want, I want you to see a difference. The difference between Luke 5 and John 21 is this. One, they caught a lot of fish, net was breaking. John 21, net was not breaking. Luke, Luke 5, boat was sinking. John 21, boat was not sinking. I tell you, I want to I encourage all of you, the more you trust in the Lord and just do what He says, more the depth it will go deeper and deeper to a place where you won't be questioning Him anymore. But I'm not saying it's going to be overnight. Because you can have faith, yes, Lord, and then after it's a journey of going one net and then two nets and then I don't know whether there'll be a catch to like, oh, let's just not question Him. Let's just not question Him. And then you find that those of us who are still learning to trust will find a little leakage here and a little leakage there. You understand what I'm trying to say? Hey, yo, got a lot of fish, miracle happened, but net's breaking. Do you understand why those of us who learn to trust God more will not only see results, you will see other miracles happening around the results because, and, 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 and I may not have the time to explain it to you, but some of you know what I'm talking about, that you can actually just say yes, Lord, and then find that, you know, uh, there, there are other holes in the miracles. You know? And actually, that those holes are there because your trust was also conditional. And the more you learn to trust God unconditionally one day, more and more, I'm giving you some hope so that you know that, okay, the pastor said already it's not overnight. It's going to take some time. But meanwhile, you've got to deal with the holes. You've got to deal with the holes in the miracles. You've got to deal with the imperfection of the supernatural because God can only give you what you give Him to work with. And, and, and so, I, 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 you know, through the last 35 years of following the Lord, I, I realized, okay, God, you know, conditional trust will bring about conditional results. Wow. You know? And, and, and but God says to me, never mind, Kenneth, never mind. When you're teaching your people, teach them that it is a journey, but learn to go deeper and deeper and deeper with God. Because it's not just launch out into the deep, but launch out into your deep. Go deeper. If you trusted Him with one net last week, trust Him with two nets this week. Trust Him with three nets next week. And then you will find that the same catch will cause, why, why one time the net broke, the other time the net didn't break? What is holding up? What, 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 is, what is it that's holding it up actually? Is the depth of your trust. The depth of your trust. So learn. You know, Pastor Dave's trust, of course you know, and Pastor Kat's trust will be at a different level than some of the leaders here. And some of you will be different level than the leaders who are here because we are all learning to trust God. And we are saying, yes, Lord, quicker. And we are saying, yes, Lord, unconditionally. Okay? You're with me? And so this is very important. So let's close by talking about a man who said, no, Lord. Matthew, I think it's verse... Uh, Matthew 19, right? If I'm, uh, if I'm not wrong. Uh, rich young ruler. I'm closing my Bible. Just, I'm just going to talk to you just for a few more minutes and then we're going to close. Let's talk about, about a man who said no, Lord. Well, he didn't exactly say no, Lord, but he turned his back because the Lord says, if you want to be perfect, go sell all that you have. Come, follow me, and you will have life. Okay, listen. Let me tell you the story as, as closely as I can uh, to the original uh, words there. Uh, I think it's Matthew 19. Someone correct me. Okay, so here we go. Rich young ruler comes to Jesus, says, 
good teacher. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Yes? Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So, he says, obey the commandments. Yeah? I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. I, I love that because Jesus always wants to make sure that we have the right perception before we experience anything else. The right perception is so important. Uh, there are people here in this room, you will receive as much from me as you perceive who you think I am. If for some reason I walk in here this third session and you for the last two sessions have heard me and you don't like me, you will receive zilch from me. It's all... Some of us like Anwar Ibrahim a lot and he can, be, he can be no wrong in your eyes. You don't know whether he slept with any man or not. You don't know. But he just no wrong. Some people like Trump. In America, they just love Trump. No wrong. Some people will like some pastors. They come up, they, before they share, they, ah! you, you, you have a, your heart is so open, you're going to receive even wrong doctrine. You with me? It's perception. You don't like means uh, he can be telling the truth and you will still reject him. As simple as that. You like this person, he's your hero, anything that comes out of his mouth or her mouth, you will lap it up like it was ice cream. You with me? It's all perception. And Jesus says, if you're calling me good, you're calling me God. And if you're calling me God, I'm about to tell you some things that only God can tell. And so, ladies and gentlemen, in another, uh, I won't turn you to it now, in another verse in Mark, he changes his words and says, not good teacher anymore, he says teacher. So his perception changed. Okay, since you said I'm calling you God, if I'm calling you good, I won't call you good anymore because I don't see you as God. You're just a teacher. And this teacher told him to sell all that he have and come follow. So you will not be able to follow a teacher who's just telling you to give up everything. If you wanted to be the best basketball player in the world, you need to know who you're speaking to. So if Michael Jordan comes up to you and says, Tiong, you want to be the best basketball player? Sell everything you have. Leave Bristol, come follow me. I'll be your personal trainer. Okay, I'll give you a, a, the house next to my house. You can stay there. I'll train. I'll tra I tell you, if you really wanted to be the best basketball player, I think you would, no? Because you know who you're talking to. But if you're talking to a, someone who you don't know better, even plays basketball, uh, and says, huh? oh, you, you're from where? Oh, I see. Okay, that small town. Uh. How many games have you uh, won? Five out of ten? You go like, hey, can you please go home? <laughs> no, no, Tiong, sell all you have, come follow me. You know, you, you, the perception. So the perception of the rich young ruler is that I think you are just a teacher. So he's asking for eternal life. Okay, this is how I'm going to close. Jesus says, follow the command, commandments. And he said, I have done this all from my youth. A rich young ruler saying to Jesus, I have followed all these commandments from my youth, makes him a good Christian. Because many of us are seated here, don't even dare say we have followed all the commandments from our youth. 
This is the problem. Huh? The problem is there is a huge difference between a good Christian and a God Christian. And there are many good Christians who think they are doing enough and good things and just go to church every Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus says, if that's the case, that's it. That if, just be a good Christian and have eternal life. But if you want to be perfect, Jesus says. Now, how many of you have ever used this word? I, I'm not perfect, like only God is perfect. You're right. Only God is perfect. So if you want to be perfect means if you want that, what only God can give you, then sell all you have Give to the poor, come follow me and you will have life. Okay? Listen, there is a difference between eternal life and abundant life. Many of us are good Christians, receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to heaven, we have eternal life. But many good Christians who have eternal life do not yet have abundant life. And so Jesus said, He, he, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Where is that found? John 10.10, right? The thief does not come but to steal, kill and destroy. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. A lot of Christians, even in this room, and I hope that after this preach, you will choose not only, because eternal life is already a free gift for all of us who believe in Jesus. So not just eternal life, but abundant life. Abundant life, abundant life. So I can be standing here telling you another three hours of story and I will not be done yet. And next year, when you see me again, if you see me again, you, you, you are quite sure you're going to hear some new stories. Because this pastor has learned from the Lord that it's not very wise to say no, Lord. So because the person that's standing in front of you tries his very best to say yes, Lord, all the time, you know I'm going to continue to live abundant life, not just eternal life. But there are too many Christians just submitting to a good Christian life. But there's a difference. Good Christian and God Christian means uh, someone who follows God always. And so this is how I end with you. I want all of you to also have fresh new testimonies. Every day of your life. Every single day of your life, the key to miracles, signs and wonders and supernatural living, the key to abundant life. My eyes are closed because I'm ready to pray. The key to abundant life. Oh, he says, what good should I do? Jesus says, go follow the commandments, you will live. But what do I still lack? What do I still lack, the rich young ruler says. Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, if you want what only God can give you, go do this and come follow me and you will have life. I tell you this, friends. I pray that as ex-church, we will not just submit to a good Christian life. That's good. That's a good start. But don't just submit to a good Christian life and just submit to the promise of eternal life, which means that you and I will be with God in heaven for the rest of our lives. Which is, which is a great reward. Praise the Lord for that. But while on earth, let us all desire to see the ability of God work on earth as it is in heaven. Can everybody stand to your feet? Hallelujah. I thank God for the ministry time that we had earlier so that tonight we can just end with a prayer and send you all back uh, out there to do whatever you need to do, sleep or fellowship or eat or whatever but here here let's close let's close let's close
Thank you, Jesus. You know why I love preaching this? Because it's as much a reminder to me as it is to you. I don't know what else God will tell me to do. Come November, come December, come January 2023, 2024. God is not done with me. I thank God for that. I want more of God. I say to God, God, I don't want to miss a beat of your plans for my life. I don't want to miss anything that you have prepared for me. But you know, it's not just about me. It's about me coming to this getaway and speaking to every precious person here and saying to you, don't settle just only for eternal life. Begin to pursue abundant life. Abundant life means there's so much more of God. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the mind of man, the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much. Oh, Thank you, Jesus. Mm, amen.